Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we are going to be talking about Alyssa Milano's recent calls for a sex strike. And before we get into that, I just want to apologize for being so casually dressed today. Usually I try to spruce things up for these videos, but you know what? I'm sick and I just feel meh and it's cold today and I... I, I couldn't do it. And I know what some of you guys may be thinking, weren't you also sick a few weeks ago? And weren't you already sick on your live stream this past Wednesday? Why are you still sick? Do you just have like the weakest immune system known to man? And yes, I, I do actually. Uh, causes a lot of problems in in my life. And before we get any further, I would like to take a minute to let you guys know about our sponsor, ExpressVPN. Admit it, you think cybercrime happens to other people. You may think that no one wants your data, that hackers aren't interested in your credit card information or your passwords, but you'd be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be leaving your credit card details and passwords on a huge billboard for everyone to see. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. For less than $7 a month, you can get the exact same ExpressVPN protection that I have. And ExpressVPN was ranked the number one VPN by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months for free at expressvpn.com Lauren. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com Lauren. You get three months free with a one-year package. So visit expressvpn.com Lauren to learn more. As I'm sure you guys have heard, states like Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio have been in the news lately for passing or trying to pass laws that restrict abortions. As the Washington Post reports, quote, abortion legislation in Georgia and Alabama ascended in the news cycle this week, with Georgia's governor signing a heartbeat bill into law on Tuesday and Alabama's Senate postponing until next week its vote on a near total abortion ban. The Georgia law will ban abortions after a doctor is able to detect a fetal heartbeat in the womb, usually at about six weeks before many women know they are pregnant. It was one of the nation's most stringent proposals until the all-out ban introduced in Alabama. That article does go on to clarify that neither of those laws are in effect right now, and even the Georgia law, which was technically passed, doesn't go into effect until 2020. And before that even happens, odds are that courts will strike the law down as they have done for similar laws passed by states like Iowa, North Dakota, and Kentucky. Essentially, it doesn't seem like any abortion laws have changed yet, but many states New York and Virginia aside, are trying to move toward a more pro-life stance. And predictably, a lot of people on the pro-choice side of things are very upset by this. And you know what? I think this is a great time for all of us to sit down and have an adult, very serious, very important discussion about abortion. I'm happy to have that conversation. Other pro-life advocates like Ali Stuckey, Matt Walsh, and Lila Rose with Live Action are also happy to have that conversation. And actually, I've made videos about abortion before, and I've been pleasantly surprised about how much common ground is actually shared between the majority of pro-life people and the majority of pro-choice people. Things like banning late-term abortions, making the adoption process easier, and requiring doctors who prescribe birth control to spend more time with their patients discussing the ins and outs and pros and cons and shortcomings of birth control like they do with any other medication since, you know, around half of women who get abortions are technically using birth control just incorrectly. It turns out those are all pretty popular measures across the board, so there are productive conversations 
conversations about this issue being had right now, but then you have people like Alyssa Milano. Yeah, on Friday night, she tweeted out, Our reproductive rights are being erased. Until women have legal control over our own bodies, we just cannot risk pregnancy. Join me by not having sex until we get bodily autonomy back. I'm calling for a hashtag sex strike. Pass it on. And with this tweet, she included an image that said, Hashtag sex strike. If our choices are denied, so are yours. The hashtag sex strike actually did become a trending term on Twitter, but nonetheless, reactions to it were somewhat mixed. Some other pro-choice advocates did support Alyssa's strike, with living meme Brian Krasenstein tweeting out, I'm all for this hashtag sex strike that's being called for as women fight to prevent men from controlling their bodies. But most of these controlling, ignorant old men are already likely on their own unintended sex strike. How about only women make laws controlling women's bodies? As great of a male feminist ally as you're trying to be, Brian, considering that most women do support at least some form of abortion restriction. I think what you meant to say at the end there was only pro-choice feminist women should make laws concerning women's bodies. Because woman is not synonymous with pro-choice. Just a slight little reminder there. Also, Roe versus Wade, which you all seem to love, was actually implemented by a bunch of men. So if we're doing this only woman thing, does that go away then? Who knows? And Thing 2, aka Ed Krasenstein, was similarly supportive of Milano's movement. He wrote that watching all of the Republicans attack Alyssa Milano's sex strike shows us clearly that they aren't really pro-life after all, but instead essentially pro-rape. Anyone criticizing the hashtag sex strike is openly saying they don't believe women have a choice to have sex. And now I know a lot of you right now are probably thinking, the fu? So let's read that together one more time just so it can really sink in. Quote, watching all of the Republicans attack Alyssa Milano's sex strike shows us clearly that they aren't really pro-life after all, but instead essentially pro-rape. Anyone criticizing the sex strike is openly saying they don't believe women have a choice to have sex. Now that was a dumb thing to tweet for several reasons, but my main issue with it is that Republicans aren't attacking the idea of a sex strike. In fact, from what I can see, anyone who's even remotely pro-life or conservative actually loves it. I mean, think about it. In her tweet, Milano says that, quote, until women have legal control over our own bodies, we just cannot risk pregnancy. She is saying that a good way for women to avoid an unplanned pregnancy and therefore the desire for an abortion is to avoid having sex altogether. She is preaching abstinence to own the cons. Feminism really has come just full circle, hasn't it? A lot of conservatives and even liberals have been telling Alyssa, look, trying to get people to stop having sex so they don't have unplanned pregnancies, it's kind of what conservatives and like the Catholic Church especially have been trying to do for a really long time and you guys said it wasn't possible. But here we are. I mean, what kind of argument was this even supposed to be? I mean, even if you are someone who believes that women should be able to get abortions, huh? Oh, oh, fine, conservatives, you don't want me to have an abortion? I guess I'll just stop having sex so then I won't need one then. Good? So sorry, Ed, but it just doesn't look like Republicans are mad about this. In fact, from what I can tell, the only people who are actually opposing this sex strike are feminists. Apparently withholding sex in order to manipulate men into doing what you want is not a very feminist position to have. And actually, I, I I can agree with that. As Jessica Valenti, who is a raging feminist, wrote, the idea of a sex strike where sex is something men seek and women withhold is the same regressive model of sexuality that Republican men use to legislate. 
no thanks. And as Christy Coulter wrote, living under patriarchy has already robbed me of safety, autonomy, opportunities, and trust in our institutions. What? How? Okay, whatever, never mind. Now I'm supposed to give up sex too and play into the fiction that it's just a bargaining chip slash transaction for women? Love you, but no. And then as the feminist next door wrote, please stop feeding the narrative that women are providers and men are consumers of sex. Bribing men for equal rights with access to our bodies is not how feminism works. Scrolling through the replies to Milano's initial tweet, it seemed like 90% of the people who actually did support what she was trying to do were conservatives. But apparently still committed to the idea of a sex strike, on Saturday, Milano tweeted out this article. It's from Quartz, with the headline, History shows that sex strikes are a surprisingly effective strategy for political change. As the article reads, quote, In a recent interview with Mary Claire, singer Janelle Monet called for a sex strike in the name of women's rights. People have to start respecting the vagina, she said. Until every man is fighting for our rights, we should consider stopping having sex. It's not such a crazy idea. Women have withheld sex to protest social injustices and advocate for political reform throughout history. Many of these strikes have proven successful, even if Manet's idea would likely fail in the U.S. After that, the author goes on to list examples where, according to her, sex strikes have proven effective for women. I'm not going to go into it, but if you want to look up the article, I encourage you to. But the reasons why I don't support this sex strike are that A, Alyssa makes it sound like now women actually need to be careful to not get accidentally pregnant since they can't get abortions, but wasn't everybody already being as careful as possible to not get pregnant so they wouldn't need an abortion if they couldn't handle a child at the time? Wasn't that already a thing that everyone was supposed to be doing, Alyssa? She makes it sound like, oh, I can't get an abortion? Well, I guess now I'll be careful that you should already be careful. And B, I'm just really not on board with the idea of people trying to punish and manipulate their significant other into agreeing with them by withholding things. Just not a fan. Whether you're a man or a woman, you should not be withholding things like financial support, praise, affection, including sex from your partner in order to get them to behave the way you want them to. I'm, I'm pretty sure actually that that's abusive. Milano's hilarity aside though, in light of all of these bills being passed, there has been quite a bit of misinformation being spread. And I did want to take a few minutes in this video to just kind of go over that. As a tweet by Nylon Magazine declared, a miscarriage possibly leading to a sentence of 10 to 30 years in prison is preposterous. And that post linked to an article with the headline, Georgians who leave the state for abortions face jail for conspiracy to commit murder. That is so not true. It's actually just a blatant lie. As the Washington Post reports, referring to the proposed Alabama law, quote, the bill explicitly states that women are exempt from criminal and civil liability, a tenet that Alabama lawmakers have repeatedly reinforced. In my bill, women would not under any circumstances face jail time if they got an abortion, Collins said. Instead, the law targets doctors who can be prosecuted for performing an abortion, a felony punishable by up to 99 years imprisonment. And regarding the Georgia law, according to a Planned Parenthood spokeswoman, quote, the news headlines and social media headlines that speculate about the bill's unintended consequences are, at the very least, not productive. At most, they're harmful. HB 481 could not be used to successfully prosecute women, she argued. But if a woman had a miscarriage, she could be pulled into an investigation looking at whether someone performed an illegal abortion on her. So even according to Planned Parenthood, no, this bill is not going to land women in prison. And concerning her claim that women who have a miscarriage could be subject to an investigation to determine whether she obtained 
an illegal abortion or not, considering that nothing in this bill prohibits women from leaving the state and going to get an abortion somewhere else and then coming back, that really doesn't make sense. If you disagree with the concept of a heartbeat ban, fine, let's talk about it, but please don't make stuff up. And actually, speaking of just making things up, there's something in the recent Ohio bill that I feel like I should mention. As again, the Washington Post reports, a sponsor of an Ohio abortion bill thinks you can reimplant ectopic pregnancies you can't. As the article reads, the latest available version of HB 182 has an exception that would allow insurance to cover a treatment that does not exist. Quote, a procedure for an ectopic pregnancy that is intended to reimplant the fertilized ovum into the pregnant woman's uterus. Yeah, that's not a thing that is possible. If you don't know what an ectopic pregnancy is, it's essentially when a fertilized egg implants itself in either the wrong part of the uterus or outside of the uterus, like in the fallopian tubes. Ectopic pregnancies, unfortunately, are just not viable. There is no treatment on earth that allows you to just pick up the fertilized egg and just move it to a different part of the uterus or to the uterus. That is not a thing that exists. Women can and do die from ectopic pregnancies. They're very serious. So any misinformation regarding the issue is frankly dangerous. And I am shocked that something so preposterous could make it into a bill about a medical procedure. I mean, this shocked. Science does support the pro-life position. So there is no reason, no excuse for pro-life advocates, especially gosh, when they're lawmakers to not understand the science behind this. No excuse. Going back to the heartbeat bills, though, from what I can tell, a lot of the people who oppose them do so on the grounds that they believe that six weeks, i.e. the amount of time it takes for a fetus to develop a heartbeat, is not enough time for a woman to seek and obtain an abortion. Now, it is true that six weeks into a pregnancy, a woman would be two weeks late for her period. When you consider that not all women have regular periods, it is possible that at six weeks into her pregnancy, a woman might just be finding out that she is, in fact, pregnant. I'm not saying that scenario would be the norm since most women do have regular periods and if they are sexually active, I would hope are keeping track of their periods. But anyway, if we're talking about abortions and when they should be allowed or not allowed, then I think the focus really needs to be on fetal development. And I think the reason why so many states are passing heartbeat bills right now is that it's a lot harder to claim that something is just a clump of cells if it has its own heartbeat. And to anyone out there who doesn't think that something with its own heartbeat does deserve the protection from being terminated, my question to you would be, at, at what point should those protections exist then? Name an objective measurable point in fetal development when you think that protections should start applying and we can discuss its validity. If it's not at a heartbeat, should it maybe be when a fetus starts to feel pain or when it's viable outside of its mother's womb? I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm happy to have that dialogue and those conversations really getting into the nitty gritty of exactly when life begins and how we can quantify that. But one argument that frankly, I, I don't find convincing at all is that this ban is too early because it's inconvenient for me. We're talking about the life and death of a separate being, a separate entity. Uh, frankly, I don't care about what's convenient for you. Field development happens dang fast. I think a lot faster than most people realize. Should, should we be mad at these lawmakers for simply recognizing how fast it happens? Or should we be mad at biology for making fetuses develop and grow as quickly as they do? Or should we be mad at our culture for leading us to believe that sex can be completely consequence-free when its main biological purpose is in fact 
reproduction. But that's all I have to say for now. And I would love to know, do you guys support all of these heartbeat bills that are being passed? Why or why not? Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.